Hello, lovers, and welcome to You Gotta Love It, the show where you tell us and the rest of the world the things that you love that we might have missed, the show where you come to discover your favorite things you never knew existed, and the show where you force us to sit through the worst entertainment you can find and say, well, you gotta love it. I think I got that right. That was pretty good. Yeah, I think that was it. My name is Koji. I am a part-time podcaster and full-time game designer these days. And with me, as always, is my good friend and Caribbean food enthusiast, Andrew Patterson. I do love a good uh, a good jerk chicken. How you doing? Uh, uh, I, I feel like every time, you know, for the last like three, four episodes that we've recorded, we're like, we're back, baby. And then yeah, there's like a huge hiatus. It's true. It's true. Things, it's, it's busy times, even though I feel like, you know, we were trying to get things going through the pandemic which you would think would have been a little bit easier to do since nobody was really doing a lot of things but i think it's sort of i mean you were dadding and then yeah which of course is a is a priority and then now that things are kind of have opened back up and we're now approaching whatever this eighth or seventh wave whatever wave we're going into it's kind of like now everybody's busy all the time you yeah, because things are open again, so everybody's sort of getting back into their routines. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm ready to go. I, like, I feel like we had lots of content lined up that we didn't actually use, so we kind of started fresh and just picked a couple new, uh, you know, start from scratch with a couple more recent um, pieces of content. Yeah, well, I think that's a good segue into what our content is this week. And uh, and this week, our hidden gem is none other than Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Did I get that right? I always butcher that title. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, yeah. So um, I think this qualifies as a hidden gem. Uh, It did... uh, do a, a decent theater run, but I, I feel like a lot of people who I've spoken to have not seen this movie. Has that been your experience? Uh, I feel like there's a lot of, there's like a pretty good awareness of it because of its sort of like indie darling, you know, popularity. But I would agree that I f- feel like most people haven't actually seen it, but they like, it's, you know, I mean, it's a pretty unique title too. So it all kind of just kind of sticks out in your mind and hearing that over and over again and like, you know, it, it, it feels kind of like, I would say that it coincides with everything kind of opening up again and also superhero fatigue that it's sort of like the first big indie movie that at least that I remember, you know, like an indie movie that had that crossover appeal, but like it hasn't fully manifested or like translated into maybe um you know viewership like i don't know what the i don't know what numbers it did like i don't know if it you know what the box office was but yeah certainly it seems like lots of people have not seen it still yeah which is unfortunate because i feel like it's one of the better original ip films i've seen in a long time i mean i don't even know if you want to call it ip because maybe they won't do anything else with it but one of the best sort of original films not based on ip that i've seen i don't know in years yeah so creative and uh, before we get into what the movie's about, it's directed by uh, a directing duo known as The Daniels, and they did none other than podcast favorite Swiss Army Man. Yeah, um, 
definitely eking out a like maybe not like they're carving out a niche for just um i don't know like wacky playful ideas with heart you know right. like the concepts are are if you i feel like as somebody with no no real experience trying to like get a film financed or get somebody on board right but i feel like the concepts to both of these movies if you walked in and told them to somebody uh they would just be like absolutely not like you would really need to find the right um you know the right people to work with the right like people to back it um and i think that it's kind of like you know uh we used to always talk about having like season tickets to like whatever an actor's doing i feel kind of that way with a24 right like pretty much that they're like the new focus features for me like basically everything they put out or everything they touch seems to basically be gold um and they don't they also don't like oversaturate like they if you go on their website they've got like really interesting merch it's not just like let's just do a crazy poster and be done with it um you know like they have these films that you wouldn't necessarily they don't necessarily lend themselves to sort of like merchandising but like they'll have a cool original book or like a weird one-off toy or figure like you know what i mean like it's stuff that's like well in the case of this movie they have hot dog fingered gloves <laughs> there you go <laughs> i didn't even realize that was something that they had done but i know that there's a book uh that I, we were talking about i think like a, a week ago or so i can't remember the full title it's like a a, a vast meaningless collection of rocks and gas pointlessly gyrating you know that you happen to be in the center i don't know but it's like a series of essays um from people not even directly involved with the movie about the ideas that are explored in the movie um which i mean i guess we can kind of get into a little bit but yeah i mean we should probably describe this movie and and then go on to speak about spoiler what we alert. about it. Yeah, spoiler alert. Spoiler sure. alert from this point on. Yeah, so this movie is a multiversal movie, but uh, you know anyone who's watched some of the Marvel films might be familiar with the concept. This, however, takes it to a, a, another level. Yeah. Uh, basically, it's about a family, um, a mother, uh, who is the main character, with a husband and a child, and they are uh, Asian American living in America, trying to cope with American life, and are close to a breaking point when the mother discovers that she is in the center of a multiversal controversy, a fight for the uh, ongoing existence of not just her universe, but several... All reality. Yeah, reality uh, as a whole. And she's kind of... um, plopped into it head first in a very action comedy sort of way so there's uh some very uh, accomplished kung fu scenes in this movie some crazy sci- sci-fi stuff but also a lot of laughs like a lot of laugh out loud laughs yeah there, there's so many um i'm not even going to be able to probably remember or even have time to talk about all the things that i would talk about with this movie uh but the first thing is I feel like the um, what they were able to accomplish with uh, I looked it up just before we started because I was curious because it was one of my points and I was like oh maybe they didn't actually but like a relatively meager budget in the scope of things like to put it in perspective 
Doctor Strange, which is also a multiverse movie, but obviously very much, you know, built in the um, in the image of the Marvel superhero blockbuster, uh, which I enjoyed, by the way. But that's that's for another pod, maybe. But um, it was like two hundred million dollars was like the budget for that movie. Uh, Everything everywhere all at once had a budget of like twenty five or twenty to twenty five million dollars. And the like creativity and that like you wouldn't it feels so polished yeah you know but like the style is so unique like the way that they communicate the same stuff you know like transitioning between realities for example or between universes i should say is done in a much less flashy way but like it's no less impactful right and I just, like it was just impressive from beginning to end to watch that it felt like you it's almost like under everything else like being whisked away on this adventure and being fully invested in the movie part of me was also kind of rooting for the movie because it like feels almost like something that your friends and you would make if that makes sense you know like there's like a DIY kind of vibe to it but like it's so polished that like there's no way that you could I mean I'm not I'm not saying definitively there's no way that anybody, you know, wouldn't be able to make this movie on their own. But like, you're just like, oh, yeah, these guys know what they're doing. Like, it just it's it has a very unique feeling, I yeah, feel like. It's it's actually crazy. And one of the things that I, I really enjoyed about it, you know, speaking about the unique feeling and uh, the multiversal nature of it is that uh, the movie at its core is just about, uh, you know, take the concept of, of life and how we're just these tiny pink apes on this like tiny planet in the vastness of space you know especially highlighted more recently with the new telescope photos and oh yeah just like how small yeah exactly how small and insignificant we may be and then it it kicks that into about uh times a thousand because essentially what it does is just shows you somehow uh, and this speaks to the polish there's there's so many universes that if you can think of a possible universe, it exists. And so uh, everything that you would want to and not want to do is simultaneously you're doing. Right. Um, and, and it gets to the point where the main character and the villain of the movie have a discussion and they basically discuss like, what is the point of life if you could be doing everything uh, you could possibly want and not want? Like every possibility has already been discovered and explored yeah uh, by one version of you or another so what's left in life if you know it doesn't really matter because there's a version of you you know experiencing these things yeah and that's it's sneaky they they i feel kind of the same way about swiss army man like they they really I, like it's kind of subversive almost like you like you I don't know it's just sort of feels like um it's not like the moral is hidden but you're enjoying yourself so much watching it that like you don't you know what I mean like you're over you're just you're you're so entertained that it's like the the message or the sort of the point of the movie kind right. of like catches you off guard almost like you're like oh like that's kind of uh I guess what they're building towards is like you know, they built a movie around this concept and it's really, I also kind of similar to Swiss Army Man, one thing that I, without uh, 
you know, giving too much away about the plot. One thing that I that I really liked about this movie was that for maybe the first, at least through the first and second act, I wasn't convinced that it wasn't like a, it was all in your mind story. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because like the way that it's, the way that things unfold, the character, the, the, the protagonist herself is almost questioning her own, sanity and like the way that it's filmed and because it's so it has that polished grassroots feeling it like i was just like oh is this gonna like turn out that it was just um you know there's like a moral that we're supposed to take away from it but it's being told through somebody's like uh you know mental break basically you know what i mean but um and i haven't read any interviews with them i don't even know if that's something that's been considered or something people are talking about but at least my feeling walking away from the movie was that that was not the case, or at least it's, they completely leave it up to you. Like it feels like it very much in the world of this movie really happened. Right. And it's the same with Swiss army man where it's like, surely this man is just crazy. Yeah. But like, at the end of the movie, I was just like, but wait though. Yeah. Like what was he crazy though? Or was that something that actually happened? And it's like, they've, through two movies they've like cornered the market on that like it just feels like i wouldn't be surprised if every film that they made or every project they worked on had that similar feeling where you you know you're entertained but you're kind of questioning like they, they also have a very good way of building up these really elaborate really um sort of intricate you know in the case of swiss army man it's the the scope of what they're trying to tell isn't as big but it's still super fantastical oh yeah. like it's uh befriending a dead body almost weekend at bernie style and then in this movie it's just all this crazy multiversal uh insanity including a, a universe where the lead actress um michelle yo uh, they use footage of her at, you know from real life as an actress it's like a meta textual quality of like yeah. oh this is one of the realities you know, but they build up this huge thing and then at the very end they pair it all down and hit you with like an emotional core in both those movies. Yeah. And because of how big or ridiculous the the lead up to that has been, like you you can predict something like that's gonna happen, but it really affects you because they just boil it right back down to uh, you know, a relatable human experience and you're just like, Oh fuck. Yeah. You it's know? you it's, did it it's really like masterful honestly yeah. it's like it's really exciting to see this kind of stuff being being produced especially after the you know the difficulty and the challenges everybody's faced the last couple of years like in in the creative and creative spaces one thing that kind of uh this is like very detail specific but i remember as much as i was enjoying it and i mean everybody has a story like this mm-hmm. i feel like i've got like tons of them but um I have this concept or this idea that I, you know, obviously I'm not a professional screenwriter. I'm not even like an amateur screenwriter, but like an idea for a story that I've been, you know, piecing together in bits and pieces across sketchbooks and notebooks and stuff like that. <clears throat> but there's sort of like this core principle and um, that's sort of a catalyst for everything that happens in it. And mm-hmm. through like the first like 30 minutes of this movie, I was, I had that like, you know, almost jealous rage simultaneously enjoying it because the mechanism in this was so similar to this mechanism in th- for this idea that I had. 
And and thankfully for me personally, the movie kind of goes in a different direction. It doesn't focus to, I mean, it's a consistent mechanism, um, but it, the movie isn't about that. That's just sort of like a, you know, I feel like it's so vague. I'm just trying not to spoil anything, but right. um, effectively it's the way that they are able to uh, bridge universes. Yeah. Like the method of which, or the method that's employed to do that is very similar to this completely unrelated story that I had. Uh, and I was like so frustrated, but then like, I just enjoyed the movie so much that just like won over my jealous, my just like, oh, these guys are using this in such a, you know, more in uh, like a more efficient way or something. Like I just didn't care because it was just so good. So what was the moment in the movie that really got you hooked? For me, um, I think there's a lot of nostalgia seeing, you know, the guy from the Goonies, uh, obviously was a kid back then, and, and Indiana Jones um, back in action. And the scene where they do the, the, the sort of full kung fu, the, the in first action scene with the fanny pack. The office? Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, oh my God, let's go. And when I found out how they transition from uh or how they connect uh universe to universe uh, yeah i immediately was just like this is i I love it yeah it's so smart that's the mechanism i was talking about where i was just like oh man that's amazingly cool but also very close to this i'll tell you about it off mic at some point i don't want i don't want it's already been executed so well i don't need anybody else making something brilliant with the idea but yeah, I, I was going to say that scene in the off or in the tax uh, office yeah. where things really kick off. But I also, um, I really liked the sequence where like the villain is kind of revealed and is chasing them yes. for the first time and like fighting all the like cops or whatever, uh, security or yeah. something and like turning them into like various Con- confetti yeah. and like different objects and stuff like that because it was sort of um i felt like it was the type of thing where when you see a movie and you walk away and they introduce a concept and you walk away talking with your friends like super cool concept but they should like it's crazy that they didn't use it to its full potential in like a sequence like that they just completely maximize like they used it to its fullest potential in that yeah. sequence and it just like i was just like okay these guys like I can't wait to see what's next. Like if we're already at this level, because that happens pretty early in the movie, um, I can't wait to see where they go with it. Shout out to the villain's attire. Oh yeah! In every scene, it's just top notch. It's very different in every scene, and it is always perfect. Um, yeah, I, and there's so it's, man, there's so many details. Like I just I think it it feels so refreshing to see a movie that i'm sure that there is actually probably a very painstaking uh very tight editing process and like writing and rewriting but there's so many elements in both of their in both of these films but specifically this one like the everything bagel like there's just these ideas that are so ludicrous or outrageous and they've managed to make all of it work like right. there wasn't really anything that I can think of that I was like, I don't really like that. Or that doesn't like make, that's like too crazy or that's not crazy enough. It was like, they just, the balance is like, it's like God level <laughs> balance of like crazy shit happening. You know what I mean? Like Absolutely. that's really hard to do. 
Yeah, I, um, I I do think that they they balance the absurdity with the emotional, with the entertaining, um, on a level that you don't see in a lot of movies, which is why we're talking about it, really. Yeah. So, so if you were to boil this movie down to, let's say, a couple sentences to get somebody to go see it, what would you say? Um. That's a really good question. I wasn't prepared for quite these. Uh, um, yeah, I'm trying something say, new here. I would say like uh, it's it's they're like a new they're they're like two times Michelle Gondry, <laughs> uh, or like if 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 you gave um, fuck, how would I even? something to do with michelle gondry like michelle, like michelle, michelle gondry do, meets adam sandler yeah do you like michelle gondry films do me? you like oh me no, personally no that's what i would i would oh. like that's how i would open and yeah. if they were like i mean i think they could still enjoy it but if somebody was like no i think his movies are stupid then i would be like uh maybe this isn't <laughs> this isn't for you but like i think that they demonstrate a similar um approach to the to filmmaking i do think this appeals to uh a mass audience though you because you could just take it at face value without reading anything into it and just be like yeah great Ma- making the multiverse great again exactly that's that's the that's the, the line right there so uh really quickly before we move on to our next film <laughs> uh love it or leave it kung fu films we never really talked about this are you uh i love it yeah yeah i think it's a love it for sure um I, I my knowledge is not anywhere near as deep as it could be, especially given that like um, uh, Kagan, who I uh, do life drawing with, mm-hmm. um, is a, t- a talented, uh, very prolific Toronto-based uh, illustrator, who uh, actually did a uh, graphic novel called Infinite Kung Fu years ago. Um, go check it out. Um, that like there's so many people I know that are super into Kung Fu that it's almost shocking to me at this point that I haven't been a little bit more immersed into it, right. you know, but, um, yeah, there's something, there's something about every type of Kung Fu film, like the, right from like the campy, you know, sort of OG stuff, right up to like the modern iterate, you know, like just over the top stuff, like the raid or whatever, where I don't, you, I don't know if you even call that Kung Fu film, but you know what I mean? Like, it's like, sure. um, heavily built around these incredibly beautifully choreographed masterful action sequences yeah like how how can you not love it yeah i agree i agree and i i almost never get tired of it even in movies that are not necessarily the greatest yeah like some of those jetly dmx yeah the one yeah or whatever i was just like hero was good you know i'm i'm in on I'm, i'm in on it no matter what i'll i'll watch those uh those set pieces no problem have you seen iron monkey i'm not sure if i have is that the wu-tang clan no i don't think so that was uh that's um fuck what is that one called i can't remember but iron monkey was like a while ago i feel like i was in high school when iron monkey came out okay i I may have seen it then but i watched it after crouching tiger hidden dragon there was like all the hype yeah and then i remember that my local video store suddenly there was like more like right. current kung fu films like it was like they were trying to just find stuff and i was like hey this looks sick 
has like guys standing on staffs or something on the front of it. I can't yeah. even re- fully remember. I just remember watching it when I was younger and being right. like, oh, this is cool. I mean, all time, it's not really, it's not Kung Fu at all, in fact, but in the same sort of Asian fight sequence scenarios, Ong Bak and all the oh, Tony yeah. Jaw stuff is just like all time. Okay, so action comedies, love it or leave it. I mean, in this case, it's a love it for this movie, but like in general, where, where are you at on, on the action comedy? Um... I mean, I enjoy them. Like, wh- I, I'm when you said that, I immediately thought of stuff like Mr. and Mrs. Smith and, like, uh, even Seven Psychopaths, though I feel like that's, like, less... It has action in it, but it's less action-y. You know, it's right. more... Um, what would be... What are you thinking? Like, other guys? Like, yeah. is that, like, I mean, 21 so Jump Street? I would say those kind of... Um, True Lies is a... <laughs> True Lies is a... Yeah. yeah. I, but... but of the ones that you've listed so far, I'm... <laughs> no, I haven't, I haven't seen it, but The Lost City, mm. I feel like, is also an action comedy. Is that, is that good or bad? I don't know. We uh, should cue it up. That should be... We, maybe that's the next gem. Is it... It's in, been in theaters. Is yeah. it even... I haven't heard anything about it. Maybe it's a yeah. hidden gem. Maybe, maybe it is. Uh, I feel like the superhero film has sort of taken over this this block because there's not I would agree with that. many action or comedy films coming out these days in theaters generally speaking that ends up on netflix or or you know name a streaming service you know sorry you know what i feel like just before we move on you know what i feel like has kind of happened that i haven't maybe we've talked about it but i feel like i haven't really thought about it or it just sort of like crystallized um you know we talk a lot about like music or or have in the past talked about music how like you know genre is very very fluid these days in music especially in popular music right sure. like you would be very hard pressed to find uh a pure rock band or like a pure um i don't know like they the dance music like just like straight up like house dance music or something like that's um successful outside of its niche right. like most things that everybody's heard of most popular music or indie music these days combines hip-hop it combines r&b it combines electronica it combines rock like it combines all these elements and there's sort of this like fluidity i almost feel like the same argument could be made about film like films i'm thinking like in the 90s or like when we were like kids there was a very clear distinction still like movies would come out and you'd be like this is an action movie this is a horror movie this is a rom you know romance movie and then it like okay, now we've got romantic comedies and now we've got like comedy horror. Like we've, you know, there's more of these, more and more of these hybrids. And now it's like, you can see a movie that's hard to even pinpoint at all. Like, you know, I would say that maybe Jordan Peele's a bad example, but I feel like there's more and more people making things that like you would be very hard pressed or they would be hard pressed to categorize it as like a single genre. So it's almost like what you're saying, like superhero movies have taken over like eight genres like it's like they're they're romantic comedies that also have dramatic elements but are big action summer blockbusters and sometimes they introduce like horror you know like it's like everything it's just kind of a mush anyway yeah i mean i would agree although there's still you know there's still some some purists out there and every once in a while you get like a a midsummer or something and it's just yeah that's true that is horrifying but it's more impactful i think for sure yeah absolutely um Okay, last love it or leave it, multiverses. 
where, where, do, where do you sit on the multiverse after all of this multiversal action, both in this movie and in the Marvel movies that I know that you've seen? Uh, I, I'm, I think I'm a fan because I am a big fan of science fiction. Mm-hmm. And even before these sort of much more popular, um, or before we'll say before the multiverse went mainstream, um, I think through reading comics and even some more sophisticated science fiction, the concept was always like present, you know, like it's, it wasn't like a new thing for me to be like, oh my God, like I even watching like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like having read the comics as a kid, I knew that that's something that they could do at some point, even if they hadn't touched on it yet. So it's yeah. like, I, I think that it's a very interesting concept. And I think that there is a lot of um both real world and and completely fictional like creative space to explore there yeah you know like it's it's intriguing it's kind of similar to it's one of those concepts that i think people dismiss very red like people are very quick to just be like that's obviously not a thing like like the average person but like when you really think about it it's like simulation theory or like you know there's all these ideas where if you listen to like a really smart person talk about it for like five minutes, you're just like, Oh yeah, that it just makes total sense. That could very easily be a thing. You know, you've been watching a lot of devs. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting towards the leave it camp. Not for this movie. Obviously I thought it was incredible, but in the saturation point in the Marvel cinematic universe, I, I feel like phase four so far has felt a little rudderless. Mm. Like, I'm not sure what the stakes are or what they're ultimately building towards. Like, obviously it's like secret war or whatever, because we, we know some of the slate, but I don't see the story forming in the same way that I did in phase three. Like at this point with this many properties out there, and now we have even more because of the TV shows and stuff. Like you'd think you'd have a better idea of what the stakes are in phase four. Mm. And I feel like because they've done all this multiversal, stuff in a bunch of the properties which you know i thought was very successful in spider-man as an example uh but it's still kind of like hey look at all this other crazy stuff we're doing as opposed to like here's here's like the like we don't even know what the who the big bad guy is yet right in in the last phase thanos appeared early and then like you know peeked his head out every once in a while and you're just like oh shit it's coming so i would love to have both he who shall not be named tom yeah, uh, I named him uh, on the show because he has some interesting theories and we've had some discussions about phase four, but also Bennett, because we've also had discuss. you know, like I think both have very valid points and like they almost, I wouldn't say that they feel opposite, but like everybody I think is kind of in the same boat right now, whether you're a fan or not a fan. Right. Um, but what's interesting, again, I don't want to go on too much about it, but it is a good segue to our You Gotta Love It for this episode. Which is also multiversal. Which is also multiversal and is also superhero adjacent. Um, is that Tom Tom was even suggesting that like it's intentional, which some people might just be like, oh, you're giving them way too much credit. But the more we were talking about it, the more it kind of made sense to me that like, but yeah, anyway, that's, I don't even want to go down that road. Cause I'll just start talking for like right. 20 minutes, but it was, it was interesting. I was just like, yeah, I mean that very well could be what they're doing, but we'll, we'll know in like a year. <laughs> well, 
I'm looking at the clock, Andrew, and I think it's Morbin time. <laughs> I only found out about that today. Oh my! Oh really? Yeah. Okay, so um, as you probably can tell, the you gotta love it for this episode is none other than um, Marvel's Morbius. I guess Sony, Sony. slash Marvel's yeah. Morbius. Um, yeah, I'll let you do the summary summary of of uh, this movie. Uh, so. Yeah, I'm just going to like go top of the dome. Basically, the way that it's Sony, Sony is like trying to, um, I think, maximize their uh, their Spider-Man, just whatever they can do that's even tangentially related to Spider-Man. They're trying to like really maximize that right now, especially after the success of their collaborative efforts with like the Tom Holland Spider-Mans. Right. Making movies for all the rogues gallery. Exactly. And and make and the success of Spider-Verse, which was incredible. But um delayed by the way what the sequel yeah oh i didn't even know that anyway sorry but but yeah so basically and and where how you feel about this it it almost depends on who you talk to but for me i think it's absurd but basically they're they want they've announced all these movies that are for like the rogues gallery of spider-man like spider-man's various uh like the main villains that he fights um one of them being morbius the living vampire which when I first heard them announce a movie, I was just like, okay, like, look, I get Joker, okay? And w- even with some Marvel characters, I would get it, but it just seems like really thin to like pull from, you know, a lot of these characters that, I don't want to say they're one dimensional, but I was just like, how are they going to do this? And there's more coming down the pipe, but it's it's kind of the first, well, not the first, Venom, they did Venom. Right, but even like, you know, in our heyday, there are movies like Blade that were True. ultimately successful. The first two, anyway, were... I mean, all three of them were very successful. Yeah, but the Blade first, Trinity, the first Ryan, two were Canada's own, pretty Reynolds. good. The third one, yeah, but whatever. I mean, it, they could have taken the property and done something amazing with it. But why don't you tell everyone what the movie's about, and then you can we can get into our thoughts. We can rant. Yeah. Uh, so the movie's about uh, a man named Michael, Michael Morbius. He's a he's a brilliant scientist, but he's struggled his entire life since he was a child with a rare blood disease. Um, and so, you know, this leads him to become this brilliant scientist to try to find a cure um, because his best friend also, I should mention, has this disease and it's sort of like, you know, inspired him to basically find a cure for both of them. But the way that he finds a cure is by experimenting with these blood transfusions with this specific species of bat um, that is known to have a compound in its saliva that is like an anticoagulant. I'm getting a little bit into the weeds with the science here, but the point is that it's going to create a cure for their rare blood condition or blood disease, and it is successful. However, the side effect is that it turns him into... A living vampire so to to in order to uh, continue to reap the benefits of its sort of restorative properties and also the additional benefits of having super strength and and superhuman abilities he needs to continue to consume blood um, and that's 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 it that's the pitch yeah um, well and then uh, his he because he's been cured his friend sees him sort of not as frail about town and kind of gets greedy for 
his own version of the cure. Yeah, he feels betrayed. Somehow gets his hand on it, and uh, you, you know, hijinks ensue, and um, they do battle. Uh, the friend is played by I think his name is Matt Smith. Doctor Who. Yes. He's Doctor Who, right? He is Doctor Who. Or um, was a Doctor Who. Yeah, right. He was a Doctor Who. He was in Last Night in Soho, um, and I'm coming to find out that he was also in a Spider-Man film. So incredible! It comes full circle. Um, he gives me big time, and I mean this as a compliment. So I, if there's people out there that are just like, "What the fuck?" He gives me big time Crispin Glover vibes. I could see that. Like could he could just continue. He could just be in like weird one-off movies, or like just pop into movies as like weird villains, like Bond villain esque. I mean, I'm not saying that he doesn't have the ability. Uh, or talent to do more than that but right. i just like uh, thus far i'm like oh yeah <laughs> well he's gonna be prince damon targaryen in uh that's House right. of the dragon you so. bet anyway let's get back to morbius for a second what did you um what did you think of this film overall before we get to having to love it uh i think that it was i feel like the uh, I f- okay i'll say this i haven't read a ton of the reviews or anything but i feel like the initial criticism i did read is almost a little bit unfair and i also feel like the weaknesses of this movie could have been so easily well not easily remedied but like remedied the it's like it always comes down to a couple decisions you know Mm -hmm. like i feel like we've come to this point where it's like oh man like 90 percent of the movies we watch that are like you gotta love it could have very easily been love it if pacing um or editing like those two things are so huge right um and i think that uh honestly i was watching it and thinking about all of the jokes and criticism made about it and i feel like this whole movie could have avoided that and fallen on the other side of the the scales if it had just had even a smidge of self-awareness right that was sort of my takeaway because when I was watching it, I was just like, "So I've seen like I've seen worse movies." It has like seventeen percent or something, doesn't it? Like what? Here's my problem with it, and then we'll get to the the loving bits. But it reminded me very much of the first Suicide Squad. Yeah. In that it was a movie about comic book characters that was just, you know, the character was whatever, but like the execution just ended up being. Um, kind of wrote you yeah, know it's, paint by numbers yeah and so it wasn't one of these movies that's quite so bad it's good and it wasn't good it just sit in a middle ground yeah somewhere and i was just like well like the best way to describe it is just like that's a movie yeah <laughs> you know um and so that's that's kind of where where i landed on it and so it it it's funny because these movies that kind of sit in a middle ground now for me are the true you gotta love it yeah i can really enjoy the bad ones and i can really enjoy the good ones obviously but the ones that are just kind of so so yeah that's become harder for me to watch which is kind of an interesting side effect of what we've done i think because you know there was probably a point in time where like the bad movies would have been the hardest for me to watch and the good yeah. movies would have been the easiest but now it's just like okay there's nothing for me to really pick there's like no meat on the bone so like yeah. No, I hear you. I did take a lot of notes yeah. while I watched it, like a lot of notes. But, but there are stuff, there are things that I liked about it, though. Yeah. The one, So the one last thing that I'll, I mean, we can get to, again, we can get to the, the 
maybe this is better as like a well fuck it I'll just say it now but like when I was watching this movie I couldn't help but think that you know when I say that I I feel like a lot of this could have been solved with a even a smidge of self-awareness is that it felt like this movie was in like the wrong skin like they made they they're like okay this is we want we want to emulate what Marvel's doing ostensibly the success they've had with you know we want to make billions of dollars making superhero movies people love spider-man so let's just like make a bunch of spider-man let's make a spy sony spider-man universe right like a spider-verse you know right. with all of these things so what characters have we got and somebody's like well here are the spider-man villains his main villains scorpion a guy with like facial tattoos in like a scorpion suit the vulture like an old man like an old man who has like a vulture suit like they're all based on animals almost yeah the rhino morbius the living vampire uh an eight like a split personality like alien you know like they're all i think even if you love spider-man even the best story arcs that have been written with these characters mm -hmm. they're all a bit goofy you know what i mean like they're right. they're all kind of ridiculous very like vintage super villainy type things so then they're like okay well let's make morbius like a pseudo serious action like drama film yeah. right but to me this movie would have been amazing if it was like okay first of all you don't need a villain you know just make it about like like i think about um what's his name martin mcdonough the guy that did seven psychopaths and yeah. in bruges think about tarantino like make this about this guy does this thing he's the vi like he's fighting his darkest urges right like he can't he has a craving for human blood and for killing and like I feel like th I couldn't help but feel like there's sort of like a darkly comedic angle there sure and and even like the people that they cast like everything about the movie like the cliches and stuff like the origin story like they they tried to play it as like a take this seriously because this is serious stuff but instead what they should have done is like maybe open that way with like the illness but then like if they I, I think that like they the audience would have been laughing with them a bit more if they and then it would have completely changed the dynamic of the movie because it's like there are so many sequences where i was watching it and i was just like they're trying to make me really care about this but like it would be amazing if it was actually intentionally kind of like uh you know like uh not dexter but like um why can't I, i'm having a total brain fart right now but do you know what I'm getting at? Like, yeah. yeah well, like so what I was going to say uh, to that point is uh, another film in this, I don't know, Spider-Verse, if you will, not the Into the Spider-Verse, Spider-Verse, but the Sony Spider-Verse is uh, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Right. Which I thought was immensely entertaining. Right. right. Like, I still haven't seen it. It is one of the most ridiculous films and it, it ends up being this is not a spoiler but maybe it's a minor spoiler it ends up being a romantic comedy between tom hardy and venom as opposed to you know um the, what's her name from dawson's creek who's the love interest like michelle oh, michelle yeah um yeah and so like they be, it becomes not not just even like a bromance but like they end up sitting on a beach together at the end discussing their relationship and i'm like this is hilarious you know <laughs> yeah if they leaned into An the wackiness yeah of, of all of this i i agree with you i think it would have been a lot better um 
I think that's the only way to sort of survive because my favorite non-Marvel uh, comic book films have been the more wacky ones like Aquaman, hmm. uh, like Venom, Let There Be Carnage. But I will say, okay, so this movie, um, I did really like that. I don't know for some reason it's like a, th- a thing I like now apparently, but uh, I did really like there that there was a dance sequence. I yo yeah I put I I was just one of my notes just says Sony loves making villains dance. Well, I I mean Toby Maguire when he gets the Venom symbiote. Sure. It's like dance. I didn't love that dance sequence, but no, but it I made mean, me think of think of Ex Machina. Yeah. This, this dance sequence. I yeah. was like, okay, okay. Um, so I yeah I definitely liked. The dance sequence, I I didn't love the sonar vision. Yeah, I didn't understand why everything looked like it was like made of dust yeah. from the very beginning. Like they, I don't think they ever really no it, the it, speed it, and the movement like and I did, like I didn't was... understand how it actually worked. Right. Um, that I had a problem with. What but about the, the flight? Yeah, I didn't mind that part. It was a bit ridiculous, but that's kind of what I wanted. I wanted yeah. them to, to lean more into into that silliness. Yeah, it's just it's it's a weird thing like it really honestly I think that if you're able to step back and kind of look at it and take it for what it is, it really is a perfect the concept is almost perfect for uh uh you know, if you want to experiment with R-rated hero movies, this would be like a really good example of making like a funny horror movie. Right. Kind hor- you know, like because I think that um to me like I didn't really care about the villain I feel like the only purpose the villain served in this movie was so that to put us on Morbius's side right like they, I don't, I don't they, even know if that's necessary though to do, do in the movie for, yeah yeah why that's what I'm saying we don't need like, to side with him. They, they extracted the potential for him to do bad things right yeah. out of him and put it into another character so that presumably so they can build a franchise around this anti-hero but like they didn't need to do that because it's far more interesting to watch like a again I actually didn't watch it but I just keep using Dexter as an example where it's like he can be a good person and want to do good things but he has this terrible secret you know like that is like a that is literally like when I think of some of the best comedies or dark comedies that have Mm -hmm. existed like ever that's like the recipe and like they 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 almost tee you up for it and even some of the lines that jared leto has in this movie like it's it's like they they just again they wrapped it in the wrong skin because if they had just like made it a little bit more wink wink nudge nudge and i think a little bit less like let's make this an epic battle for like morality like it would have been more interesting it would have been even more relatable like it would have been more there would have been more legitimate humor where you're laughing with the with the 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 film rather than at it and like yeah i don't know it was just it was that was a weird decision but one other weird decision i just wanted to before i forget there is an a single solitary circle wipe at the beginning of this film i didn't even i don't remember when it goes from um it it goes to when it goes to new york okay like from the jungle or whatever it does like a like star wars a new hope style wipe that like just that just focuses on like Manhattan and zooms out and I remember literally this is like minutes into the movie and I was like oh okay cool like they're really gonna lean into this like that's what I thought I was getting into and I was like oh maybe that's why everybody loved this movie it's like super campy 
then they don't do anything like that at all everything else is like them trying to do cg big time summer blockbuster let's make it like super serious like there's no well so i'll say this it also might have worked if they went super serious but didn't have a villain and it was about you know the corruption of a good man into a, a bad one but one of the things that i did love about it speaking of them going super serious and whatnot is jared leto he i don't know if you saw house of gucci which is uh started watching it and then the the file was corrupt or like the streaming stopped working so i didn't get to he's it's probably another you gotta love it but his performance is like unlike anything i've ever seen in a film uh it's un unbelievable so yeah i i loved i think there's just going to be a cult of people that the same way that people love like gary Busey or something yeah are gonna love jared leto for the rest of the time i i love jared leto sure I think he, I mean, he, this isn't okay. I feel like he's, he's, the I next feel like he change. wasn't, I'm gonna tell you I feel now. like he wasn't terrible in this movie. If I'm being honest, I feel like this was an example of like, like when I watch, not that he's like the master stroke of the film, but when I think about the stuff he's been in, you know, in minor roles, like fight club, panic room, requiem for a dream, even like more recently blade runner, 2049, things like house of Gucci, things like fucking like, um he like i i enjoy his performances sure like every single like almost every single one of them i'm just like yeah that was like great like he's like a a, an interesting fun character actor he doesn't have any like qualms about you know being mutilated or killed in horrible ways or like being like really weird uh like he was in that movie chapter 27 where he like gained all that i think it was chapter 27 he gained all that weight he played like john lennon's uh uh, John Lennon's it. killer Lindsay Lohan I think was in that movie also yeah. but like you know even when the movie's bad it's like sort of makes me think about this idea that like it's it comes down to a lot of things you can have a good actor be in a bad movie you know what I mean right. easily like of course even yeah. if you look at like James Bond movies and you look at like Dame Judi Dench during like the Pierce Brosnan Bond movies versus the Daniel Craig ones. It's almost like a completely, like she's playing the same character, but it's like played in a completely different way. Yeah. The dialogue is completely different or not completely different, but delivered in a different way. And I think that like, you know, people were like, this is a terrible movie. Therefore. And also I hate Jared Leto. Like he was terrible as the Joker. And now he's like terrible as like Morbius, which there was some really funny memes about, but like, I don't know. I think that that was a little bit unfair. Like, I don't think like if I think about this movie, my favorite part of it was probably other than that dance sequence and the bat control at the end of it. Mm-hmm. It was like, I don't know, Jared Leto, arguably like what, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if, like, I can't think of another thing where I was like, this was awesome. Like he, so he did the thing. Like they, they were like, we need you to be a living vampire. And this, in this movie that we're going to take way too seriously. And he was just like, all right, let's fucking go. I also really like uh, the fact that the internet decided to take this movie and most people who are listening at this point probably know, but create a whole like meme economy out of it <laughs> Yeah, with the uh, Morbin time and a bunch of other stuff. And I'm, I don't know why this movie in particular, but the, it got so big that Sony decided to re-release the film in theaters a couple weeks after they'd taken it out because it had bombed. Yeah. And then they re-released it and it bombed again. 
And I, and I love that. I mean, I don't love that it bombed again, but I, I love that uh, because of all the memory, you know, they're like, okay, we got a second chance here. There's people just streaming it on loop on Twitch channels. And, and it so, got like 2,000 viewers at one point simultaneously watching this like infinite loop of Morbius. So, <laughs> but this is what I'm talking about. Like, <clears throat> it really shows you the power of the internet. Things like this, things like Snyder Cut, like Brooklyn Nine Nine. It's crazy how, uh, you know, the internet will just latch on to certain ideas. Hmm. Because okay, when when you first saw Justice League, not the Snyder Cut, but you know the original Justice League, where you like, I really want to see another cut of that film. I bet there's more on the table. Like no, no, I no. don't even really remember it. I'm not even sure that I saw it, and not just Batman versus Superman. There you go. But but some people took some of these movies like that one like morbius and they've decided like no this this needs to live on and i i love that we can we can build subcultures off subpar movies i do think that um even though we were complaining about like the sonar not really making sense and like the weird particle effects on like all of the action sequences and when he's moving quickly and not really understanding what that was meant to be mm -hmm. I must admit I did like the craziness of the powers like at the end when he controls the bats and he's wielding the bats like a weapon yeah I was like that's pretty cool because like you think about all the scenes in Batman where he uses like in Batman Begins where he like escapes by like using this the sonar thing to like direct the bats right he's not like wielding them he's just like directing them yeah and I think that it's like one thing that I don't know. Maybe it's it is the tied directly to the thing that people are sick of in superhero movies. But I remember thinking about as the MCU was was ratcheting up, how excited I was to see the crazier and crazier powers. Because like as a you know, it's like if you're a Dragon Ball Z fan, or and you're like rewatching it or watching it with somebody who hasn't seen it, or you've read these comics and you know how crazy some of the shit is. But when they start with Iron Man, who is a guy that doesn't even have powers, then they introduce like a super soldier, so he's just kind of strong and fast. Then they introduce like quote-unquote god a god like he's like you know he can control lightning and stuff and they kind of steadily ratchet it up and then at the other end of the spectrum you get to like people who could like i remember when ant-man and civil war like embiggened himself right and it was so cool because we hadn't seen something that quote-unquote goofy yet really like you know what i mean like yeah, the idea like that like full a, use of power a, full use of power yeah. yeah and so this sort of ratcheting up of that was like really enjoyable for me Mm -hmm. Then we hit a level with like Infinity War where people I think feel like they've kind of seen all there is to see and we haven't even introduced the X-Men or mutants into the universe yet. Um, We're, we just did. Or have we? Yeah. Um, but I think, again, sorry, that's a long-winded way of saying that like with this movie, I must admit that I, I, it wasn't, I didn't find myself going like oh well these powers don't make sense he got like bat blood him and now he's just like can like fucking fly and has all this crazy you know like do all these crazy things and can you know they didn't really explain that it wasn't just like subtle like he needs to drink blood and is slightly stronger like it was outrageous powers that he had <laughs> right um but i kind of like i kind of liked it because again that ties into the like if you're gonna go if you're gonna swing for the fences with these villains you really need to swing for the fences because like they are inherently you know they tried to make rhino believable by making it paul giamatti in like a mechanized suit just right. make it a guy yeah that's like massive in a fucking rhino suit or even a guy that's like half rhino 
that's like way more people be like that's stupid but you're like yeah that's that's the whole the, the hero is a person who got bitten by a spider and developed spider abilities like that's like the universe that's like the earth's favorite superhero like why try to make the the villains that are inherently like kooky why try to like not take advantage of that so yeah. I, I did like that like at the end when he's like basically punching him with like like waves of bats and like like slamming him on the ground yeah. I was just like that's ridiculous but amazing like it's pretty good absolutely i agree um and i know that earlier in this episode i was just saying that i'm done with multiverses and kind of tired of it but one thing that i did enjoy was and again this is spoiler alerts for some other things but at the end of spider-man uh, the most recent spider-man they bring eddie brock uh fr- directly from the end of let there be carnage into the Spider-Man universe only to suck him back into the multiverse somewhere else. Mm. Right. And in this movie at the end, you see the same multiversal sequence and then they bring in the vulture from those Spider-Man films, you know, the most recent one, Michael Keaton. Yeah. Um, and you know, they put together a, um, the beginnings of the sinister six or what have you. And what's interesting to me is that they're, Sony or whoever, I guess, in in conjunction with Marvel, has sort of leveraged the multiversal nature of the current Marvel arc to say, like, look, man, anything's possible now. Like, this can exist alongside the Marvel properties and kind of be adjacent, but not necessarily affect yeah all that stuff, and it's fine. Yeah. I mean, they've even opened the door at this point to, like, what if Spider-Man was Andrew Garfield in this yeah. Spider-Verse? Like, it could be. Right, we don't know yet because we haven't seen... Right. spider-man really in yeah. like one thing that was funny was that they don't talk about and that i noticed they talk about uh at one point one of the cops is like oh this is crazier than that thing that happened in san francisco which i assume is venom right, right. the uh, the events of venom or w- both venoms and then the the there's not really a mention of spider-man but at the end in the stinger again that you were just alluded to when vulture like flies up to morbius who like is in the middle of the desert or something or just like in the middle of nowhere yeah and he's just like i think that this is all the vulture is like thanks for meeting me he's like yeah i don't know what's going on but i think it's somehow all tied to spider-man and like morbius doesn't even blink so it's like i assume that he already exists in this universe and we just haven't for whatever reason morbius venom none of these things happening have have rated high enough for him to be like right showing his showing up but yeah it was weird i had kind of mixed feelings because i really liked how the mcu was treating uh, like you know say what you will about just how many movies there are but i really liked how they introduced these characters because it made a lot of sense like vulture being a guy who is a scav he's like does salvage and he was doing like the way they introduced him logically made sense like it was like his backstory is perfect he's like a blue collar worker he's a vulture quote unquote like he salvages materials from these big battles and now he and his people are out of work because of like you know the one percent being played by tony stark like the this reason for being upset made sense and he's not even like a full villain really he's just working in the margins and he's just like i don't necessarily want to kill people all i want to do is just like make money and be able to you know provide for my family and the people that rely on me Mm -hmm. and it kind of 
gets out of hand but then like put bringing him into this universe it's like i mean whatever i'll see what where it goes but it was just kind of it felt like they're they in merging those two things they were taking the ridiculous the, the ridiculous not in a good way of morbius and being like let's take this like character that we that marvel did a really good job of like writing and just plop him into this universe and have him just be like yeah like get me out of jail because like i don't I, in this i just i'm aware that i'm in it like he doesn't even blink he's just like oh i guess i'm in a different universe i hope the food's better in this place gets out of jail because he's not supposed to be in jail in this universe somehow builds the suit or finds the suit. like i don't know yeah. like there's just like all of this stuff where i was like okay but like it feels even more forced than what people might argue marvel is doing right like it was just kind of like sure. let's figure out a way to mash it all together well, so that leads me to my first love it or leave it cinematic universes. Oh man, that's a tough I mean, one. I, I know that you enjoy the Marvel cinematic universe, but do you think that other franchises, IPs, companies should really be trying to recreate the cinematic universe experience? I don't, I, I, th I don't think so. I think it's like, uh, I think it's like when, Deadpool is successful and then everybody's like let's try to make R-rated movies now especially superhero ones because like that's why they thought Deadpool is successful but that's not why it's successful like you know what I mean like it was mm -hmm. like everybody wants I say everybody people that want to get rich want to replicate the success that Disney's had with the Marvel Cinematic Universe so now everything has to be cinematic universe and I think that's the wrong way of going about it like with any creative venture it should be it should it needs to make sense and i think that like you know to the point of our hidden gem there's there's still going to be countless unexplored original ideas and i think that you know i love the mcu i know a lot of people are sick of it but i don't know that i need multiple mcus like i like it's scratching that itch for me and i'm still enjoying it even though it feels maybe a bit aimless right now but like mm -hmm. i want to be able to go to the theater and if i'm not seeing the new Marvel movie, I want to be able to see everything everywhere all at once. Or I want to be able to see like, you know, just like interesting stories being told that are self-contained. It's a lot of work, uh, which is something Bennett pointed out. It's a lot of work to, to feel like you need to do homework, you right. know, or be caught, like be watching everything. And I don't think that's really necessary. So I would say, leave it. If you're not Marvel, just like chill out. And even then, it's uh, getting a little bit cumbersome to fill in all the blanks. I mean, I even think the Star Wars extended universe you, is getting a little bit ridiculous for my taste. Yeah. Do you what you want to know? I'll do it real quick. But I think it's part of my theory of like the aimlessness, if sure. there is an intention behind it, I think that Marvel realizes that after the Infinity Saga, that they can't just do that again, because people, even people that are fans, people are kind of like sick of that. There's a superhero fatigue thing. And I think that they realize their universe is so big now and continuing to expand that like it's going to become a nightmare for them financially, creatively, in all of these ways to continue holding that together. So I think the aimlessness is kind of speaking to them beginning to silo these properties. So like they could still have a crossover event if they want, but they want it to be to feel aimless so that they can they can coalesce these various silos into things so like because if you imagine right now the remnants of the avengers all the tv shows they've got coming out the spider-man characters all of these you know they've got fantastic four coming out they've got the eternals they have all this shit they haven't even introduced mutants yet 
like how the fuck are they going to do it would be just, i feel like just creatively it would be a nightmare to try to do another infinity saga again with an even bigger more expanded universe so right. like they want to set themselves up to be like phase five maybe is going to be like here's the spider-man universe here's mutants are now a thing or maybe mutants and fantastic four you know or like fantastic four and avengers and like start separating them so that they don't need to rely on the same way the comics are you know yeah. like the comics all exist in a cohesive universe sure but like you could happily for years read one comic without needing to know what all that other shit is and i feel like that's going to like give them a little bit more freedom to and give audiences a little bit more freedom to like not feel the need to see they're just like i just like spider-man movies i just want to see what's happening with spider-man or like i don't care about spider-man i'm interested to see these new young heroes you know and culturally you know like exploring different cultures like i think that's something that they could be moving towards because to your point like there's incursions secret invasion secret wars there's like they've got kang coming they've got mutants now they've got like you know there's so many things that they could do and everybody's like what does it mean it's like maybe it doesn't actually maybe they're doing the reverse they're like reverse engineering what they did and kind of splintering everything again you know right anyway we'll see okay last love it or leave it before we get to the recommendations and it's kind of related post-credit stingers I feel like they're kind of getting shoehorned in. I'm, 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 I'm getting to like a You're borderline territory. I'm just like, eh. just show me what you want to show me. Yeah, and make it part of the movie because as much as I enjoyed the the idea that like, you know, anything can happen with this extended universe, this post credit sequence seems so far apart from the actual movie that I just watched. That like I was like, why is Morbius meeting? The vulture like why would he have any interest in doing this and you know t- to your point earlier there's no indication that he even knows who spider-man is would let alone be like yeah let's team up and figure out what the problem is like yeah it, he's just like a guy flies up to him in a crazy terrifying mechanized like jet-powered suit in the middle of the desert and he's just like i think it's this guy's doing and then he's just like i'm listening yeah it's like a it's like that that is another perfect example it's like man if they had just tilted the the view our perspective of that a little bit it would have been hilarious yeah you know so i'm getting i'm getting kind of done with these post credit sequences yeah i mean um yeah i could i could leave it i i would be lying if i said that i don't nat marvel hasn't trained me to kind of look forward to them a little bit but like i agree that like rationally there's no reason for them to exist really like now that's just too predictable it's like a, it's like bands doing an encore you know like mm-hmm. when the band's like we're not going to do an encore we're just going to play three more songs you're like okay cool i can live with that you know instead of walking off the stage and then pretending to just like not come back until yeah. everybody cheers loud enough it's kind of the same thing yeah yeah i agree okay well let's go to let's move on to recommendations for the week uh do you got one queued up or would you like me to start i have one queued up i have a lot of the i have a lot of recommendations i'm only going to do one because the other ones are all kind of in process like i'm reading one i'm still in the middle of watching another one and the other one i haven't even played yet so on a side note i i did finish homeland and oh yeah yeah which did was you a, enjoy it? a recommendation from you to me uh, a book yeah i i did very much enjoyed it i like a lot yeah it's yeah. good eh? yeah and, and a lot of what they talk about um this is a Cory Doctorow uh, two books actually 
Um, and you've recommended him on the podcast before. I have indeed. Uh, um, and a lot of what they talk about technology wise is not so far off from how it actually operates or the things that you would actually use. Yeah. So there's some information to be learned there. But anyway, sorry, what was your recommendation? Uh, it's going to be a music one, so I'll keep it like relatively short this time. But uh, there's a Toronto-based musician that I recently got into after seeing them perform a Colors show. You know, those uh, live shows on YouTube? Where yep. It's just like, yeah, uh, named Saya Gray. Um, very kind of in, in keeping with what we were talking about with like genre being kind of blended. Uh, she is a... She's been a professional musician since she was like 13 or something. It comes from like a musical family, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, she's been like a musical director for some pretty big artists, but she just released this solo, her like debut solo album, and I'm obsessed with it. It's like the way I would describe it is like a more stripped down, almost FKA twigs. Okay. It's just very like, um, there's almost like a, this is going to sound really corny, but like a pureness to it. Like it's just very, it's very weird and at times feels like disjointed, but then will immediately follow up with like a very beautifully composed and just like realized, uh, I, it, I don't know. It's just like, it's very interesting. Like it stay, it stayed with me. It stayed fresh. It stayed interesting. Like there's not really, I can listen to it beginning to end. It's like mm-hmm. a beginning to end kind of album. Yeah. Um, but yeah, very, very bizarre, um, in some ways, but yeah, I mean, it's the other thing I'll say is that currently it is very hard to find out any information about her, which is like very rare In these day days. Age, yeah. Um, like I've seen a couple interviews with her that I've read that are all kind of the same. I know what the album, what label released the album. It was dirty hit, but like you can't purchase, like there's no vinyl release it's just like streaming uh there's links to all her social accounts but there's nothing on like any of her social accounts except for the album cover on like an instagram Mm -hmm. so it's it's all very like um i don't know if it's intentional or like what the deal is but like i've been trying to find out more information like oh is is she touring does she perform because yeah finding out something that i enjoyed so much and then also finding out that they're a toronto-based musician i was just like oh this is this is sick so anyway check it out it's called um uh 19 masters is the name of the the record and it's uh, sia gray so maybe we can like uh, i don't know if we can find like a song to close it out but um yeah it's really good awesome check that out mine is going to be much more mainstream and probably something that a lot of people if you're listening to this podcast have already seen but if you haven't go see it go see it in theaters my recommendation Top Gun Maverick. Incredible movie. I've seen it twice in IMAX. It's so good. And, and, you know, whatever your feelings are for the first Top Gun, A, you don't really need to have seen the first Top Gun, although some of the some of the references will, will hit you a little harder if you have. Um, but it's almost... It's going to go down in history the same way The Terminator 2 or some of these other movies have gone down in history as being sequels that maybe overtake the original like it's yeah. just so nothing good. to add it's unbelievable um this is interesting i don't know if you've heard the the online chatter but there's a theory that goes uh the movie opens with with him um on a test flight for a, a new plane and this isn't a spoiler 
because this is literally the opening sequence, and then I won't spoil any spoil any more of, of the movie. A huge part of it is in the trailers as well. But at one point, something goes horribly wrong with the test flight, and the plane explodes. There is a theory going around online that the rest of the movie is just his death dream, and it's why he spends the movie sort of reconciling the differences that he's had with all the people in his life that he has maybe, you know, been at odds with before. It's why a lot of the sequences in the movie feel so dreamlike, why it's never really stated who the enemy is, all this Mm. stuff. And I was like, that's fascinating. The internet's crazy, man. Yeah. I I would have never thought of that. It was actually a writer from Vulture, I think, who first came up with the theory. But uh, yeah, amazing. It's, you know, it, it really puts the film in a, in a different light for sure but if you haven't seen it go see it and definitely go see it in theaters right because yeah, you ha- try to see it in IMAX even because it's filmed for IMAX the sound design um, and the, the the practical effects are incredible like all the shots where they're in a plane they're up in the air in a plane they may not be the ones piloting the plane in, a- in actuality but they're they're there feeling the g-force you know doing all the things and so it's uh certainly certainly worth uh the adventure yeah it's great all right well that is that's it for us i think hopefully we we can get keep this going on a more regular basis but uh yeah until next time keep loving keep it. keep loving it